everybody and welcome to Powerful Stuff. We did it. We made it to the end of 2023 and you know, it, I would be remiss not to share my deepest musings from 2023 um, so we can all reflect and process together and hopefully so you can enter 2024 with some powerful musings. And so before we begin, let's go ahead and let's take our three deep breaths to center ourselves for this meditation, taking a deep breath in through our nose, pulling up all the learnings and wisdoms of 2023, holding them at the crown of your head, and then exhale, letting them wash over your body and into every cell of your being. Second breath in, breathing in the fuel, the wisdom that they've brought you, allowing that to lift your head even taller. Exhale, relaxing you into the present moment. And then third breath in, breathing in, inviting space for possibility that all of these musings are your launch pad for 2024, exhaling that wisdom out and opening your eyes if you've closed them. So I'm here in Houston, Texas in my childhood room looking at all these photos of me from every era of my life. Eileen is holding down the fort in Venice Beach, but is undoubtedly with us in spirit. And I have a few musings for you guys that I wanted to share and let us know in the comments, um, on our Instagram at That's Powerful Stuff, uh, what your musings are. Maybe they're the same, maybe they're same, same, but different, you know? So I'll start with musing number one. I'm kind of going in chronological order from last January to now, if you will. And musing number one, wisdom number one, is all questions are answered in the present moment. All questions are answered in the present moment. And I am the first to admit that I can easily future trip and worry about what is going to happen. What then? Like if this, then that. And this, this sentiment of all questions are in the present moment has become kind of like a, a reminder for me, a meditation of taking a deep breath, just like we did, and asking myself, what do I need in this moment? What am I feeling in this moment? What do I need to process in this moment? And, you know, after I process it, then what's the tiny next step I can take from there? Because so often we can get in paralysis thinking so far down the line when really we just need to sit with what is, allow it to move through us, and then say, where do we go from here? So another way to think of this is acceptance plus choice. So when I accept fully what the present moment is, I accept the truths of the present. I don't try to sugarcoat it or wish it another way. When I fully accept it, then I am empowered from that place of acceptance to decide where I want to go next. And if you listen to our last episode, I talked about how I came to this musing. All questions are answered in the present moment because uh, long story short, though you can get the full story on last week's episode. Um, you know, last January, I was supposed to go to Squid Games, which I did go to Squid Games, the challenge to compete. I was so excited to compete in Squid Games, thinking I would get super far. Um, cleared my whole schedule for a month, told all my clients I was going dark. And then, of course, I got eliminated during Red Light, Green Light. A famous quote, or I like to say famous from, uh, from myself that I said last episode, uh, a famous quote that 
has impacted me or that I just come back to with a smile is what my mom said to me the night before red light, green light, which is Meredith, your worth isn't defined by how well you play red light, green light. And so when I was eliminated in red light, green light, I thought to myself, how can I use this extra month to not just like go straight back to work, but actually to be still my body was telling me I needed rest. And it's so you know, hard sometimes to completely shut down, but because I had already cleared my schedule for Squid Games, I decided, you know what, I'm going to take this time and I'm going to do a solo sabbatical in Big Sur. So I went to Esalen, which is a beautiful meditative retreat center. I went camping by myself and I also went to New Camaldi Hermitage, which is a beautiful monastery on a hill in Big Sur. And there I observed silence for a few days, but I could speak one at one point in time, which was to have a spiritual advising session with a monk. Um, and so what I talked to about with this monk and the moments that I came to in silence with myself were when I'm totally still, when I'm totally listening to myself, I have the answers. When I slow down and when I hear what my innermost self, my innermost voice is saying, I have the answers. And so with this first wisdom, uh, I've taken that with me throughout the year when I found myself future tripping, when I found myself, you know, thinking about like what comes next and feeling anxiety creep up, I would return to these slow breaths, to that stillness that I felt in Big Sur and ask myself, what do I need in this moment? And that's helped me reground and recenter and find a little bit of clarity to take the next step. And then from that next step, being in that present moment and finding clarity and then taking the step after that. So hopefully what this means for you is that if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling, where do I go next? Or you find yourself caught up in the past or the future, you can take a few centering breaths and ask myself or ask yourself, what do I need in this moment? What is going to help me soothe myself, help bring me back to center? And what is the next tiny baby step I can take from there? And you've probably also heard me talk about this analogy of running a marathon. You know, um, we don't run a marathon by just starting off and running 26 miles. We focus on the next step and then trusting that we can take the step after that and then trusting that we can take the step after that. So hopefully all questions are answered in the present moment is just about returning to like that initial first base of self-trust and trusting that you know the answers and that you can take the next step from there. So then my second musing or my second wisdom from this year was about boundaries and we all love a good boundary. Um, so just to kind of give you an overview of boundaries before I go into my deeper musing about it. If we don't have clear boundaries, what can end up happening is our energy is porous, right? We end up giving way too much to other people and then we feel drained or we feel resentful. Or of course, it can go in the polar opposite direction that if our boundaries are way, way, way too firm, then we're trying to control everything and we don't leave space for magic to unfold. So striking this nice equilibrium or the Goldilocks equation, if you will, is about, you know, figuring out to what extent 
Can I protect my energy so I can exist as my fullest self in this present situation? So to what extent can I protect my energy so I feel rejuvenated, recharged to exist fully in this present moment? And with my boundaries, um, I started last year, you know, planning my wedding and planning weddings bring boundaries sharply into focus because you have an invite list, you know, who's coming, who do I want there versus releasing, who do I feel like I should have there, what do I want to do versus what do I feel like others want me to do or what will make them most comfortable. So with boundaries, whether it was like friendship boundaries or boundaries around my wedding, I really asked myself, um, what do I need first and foremost to feel safe and secure? And then what do I want? And once I could communicate those things with myself, then I was able to communicate that with others. And boundaries can be difficult, right? Because it requires communication and it requires allowing other people to have their reaction to your boundaries. Sometimes when you set a boundary, especially if it's a new boundary that you haven't set before, um, other people can feel reactive to it because maybe they're used to you being a certain way or they can also be triggered because maybe they haven't developed strong boundaries yet and so it can be confronting to see that you have a boundary. And so part of developing boundaries is first getting clear with yourself, then communicating it to other people and then releasing from there as in releasing their reaction and trusting that nothing is personal and then just acting in accordance with your boundary. And so when I did this for my wedding, uh, of course, it's like a little uncomfortable at first, but I just really returned to like what will help me look back most powerfully, most, you know, excitedly about my big day and kind of like what what do I want and what do I need for that to happen? And I realized that with boundaries, we, we can so often fear, you know, other people's reaction. But in the end, the funny thing for me, at least, is the boundaries that I did set, even if people, most people, A, responded just as well or even better than I imagined. So that's first and foremost, like usually they never respond in your deepest fear way. And the second thing is even if they do respond in your deepest fear way or they don't have a great reaction in the moment, they usually see that you're serious about it and they get their reaction out, right? They do their own processing in their own world and then they end up coming to and respecting that boundary. And then you can rebuild your dynamic, your friendship or like the expectation around that weekend from that boundary, which you then have better energy because your boundary is feeling protected and respected and other people end up respecting you for valuing yourself and maybe it even awakens them and helps them to do the same. So boundaries are super, super powerful. And yeah, to sum that up, TLDR, if you will, too long, don't read. Um, You know, what will make you feel most protected and safe to exist in your fullest expression? What can you communicate to yourself about that? And then who else do you need to communicate to, to make sure that that boundary is honored? 
and that boundary is respected. And when we honor our boundaries, not only do we improve our own sense of self-worth because we're showing ourselves like I value your time, your energy, your protection over all else, which then allows your inner child, if you will, to relax into the present moment, knowing that you've got them. And that also helps other people um, get the best out of their time with you and potentially even wake up to their own powerful boundary setting. So powerful stuff all around. And that, my friends, leads me into friendships. And another powerful musing that I have had this year is friendships have seasons and that's okay. You know, people that might have been, you know, a super powerful catalyst for you at a time or a season in your life where you needed it most um, might might be in a different season than you right now, or you might, you know, find that what you found inspiring about your friendship in the past, like no longer inspires you. Maybe you've grown in a certain direction. Maybe they've grown in a certain direction and that it's all okay. Um, you know, I used to struggle with this when I used to have it in my head, like all my friendships that I'm you know, ex close to, like that always has to mean, they always have to maintain that level of closeness. And if they don't, then I need to work to fix it. But then usually what happens if we are truly like growing apart or we're just meant to be in each other's lives for a season or in each other's lives in a certain way for a season, that it ends up causing like resentment because, you know, especially back when I was a people pleaser, when I was, would try to like, you know, prove to them, like by doing more, if I found them pulling away, um, and then they keep kept showing up in a way that was consistent with their, you know, behavior, um, then I would feel like mad and resentful and like not valued by them and also not valued by myself. And so this year, um, you know, there's friends that I've maintained closeness with. There's friends that I've become closer to, and there's also friends that I've become less close to. And I've realized that when the friends that I've become less close to, um, you know, especially if it just feels like that was the natural progression, instead of trying to hold on, I kind of just let it run its natural course. Like, of course, I'm still, you know, there for those people as needed, but I'm no longer like trying to maintain it if the energy just isn't there right now. And that's been really powerful for me. And it's called a lot of energy back to myself to invest in the people and the things that do feel super aligned right now. And, you know, um, John Mayer, of course, has this quote from his song Wheel, which is actually one of my favorite lyrical songs that is like, um, when you wave goodbye, when you wave goodbye, you just might find if you give it time, you will wave hello again. And I just love that lyric because it's this idea of when you allow it to do what it's meant to do, maybe it falls away or maybe it comes back in a different way or in an even stronger way. But the only way it can do that is if you let it run its natural course. And so what I have kind of come to in my own processing for this is first kind of allowing myself to sit with or grieve like what the friendship was, if it's one that's kind of been pulling away or, or just changing, just allowing myself to grieve it, right? Because it is, as Eileen and I talked about in our ceremonializing episode, um, it is helpful in the processing to just allow ourselves to grieve like what was. 
And then once we've allowed ourselves to grieve it, what is the lesson there? What is the takeaway that you want to take with you that you learned from that friendship or that you're grateful for? And then from that place of, you know, the lesson and the gratitude and maybe even a learning of how you could show up better or differently um, in future friendships. Um, then from that place, you can move forward. Where do I want to reinvest that energy that maybe I was putting into that relationship? And how can I reinvest in the things that are feeling super reciprocal or super energizing right now while still then kind of sending love out to that person or that form of the friendship? So if you're going through a season or you're lamenting the loss of, or what feels like a loss, first, just allowing yourself to grieve that loss, then sitting with the gratitude for what was, maybe even like writing that person a letter that you, you'll never send, or if you are in a good place to talk to that person, telling them what you're grateful for in your friendship, and then kind of internally, where do you want to redirect that energy? And I think you'll find like, and I have found that some of those friendships have come back and they've come back even stronger with even greater trust. Or some of them, I just like, you know, we've gone our separate ways, but there's so much love there and there's still so much I celebrate and I'm grateful for, for what was in that friendship and that they've gone off in their own beautiful path. And because I've kind of allowed for the natural progression of that season, we're able to kind of celebrate each other from our separate paths with nothing but love, which is a really beautiful thing. And then, like I said, of course, too, it allows more energy to come back to reinvest into the things that you are growing and ascending to at this point in time. So with that, too, as you're reinvesting that energy, that brings us to the next lesson, which is the more you, you are, the more magnetic you are. So the more shoulds that you shed and the more you're like, what would make Meredith the most Meredith or what would make me the most me um, and allowing yourself to do that, that's when you become most magnetic. And it's so funny because I feel like for me, especially in my 20s, it was a winding journey of like coming back to myself. I think to myself now of like the things that as I'm sitting in my childhood home, the things that I've loved doing um, you know, in high school, I was a teen reporter. I loved performing. I loved telling stories. And I maintained that, you know, for the most part in college. And then um, in my 20s, I, um, I had a winding journey. And I, you know, got my master's in African studies. And I got my yoga teacher training and got really into um, not only journalism and storytelling, but also yoga, meditation, mindfulness, and then also founded my alcoholic kombucha company, which I worked on for four years before I closed, uh, closed it down. And then after I closed it down and kind of at the same time, I had been doing all this work on myself, uh, like going to the Hoffman process and having my own coach and various other things, I realized, you know, I kind of came back to my in initial golden thread, which was uh, helping other people own and share their story and owning and sharing my own story. So this led me into being a full-time leadership coach where I work with people on coming back to their purpose and, and their passion and living from that place, but also to my experience company, more of that where we love to create uh, mindful experiences where people more deeply connect with themselves and with others and leave with a deeper insight around themselves. And so this is how it kind of panned out for me on a, I guess, macro level, if you will. But on a micro level, on a micro level, 
I was, when I was thinking about this wisdom, I was thinking about my wedding and how we did everything non-traditionally. And I was guided from the place of like, what do Meredith and Spencer want? You know, we have one weekend where our friends and family from all over the world are going to be coming to experience our love. And rather than doing, you know, what we think that would make other people you know, comfortable or what they expect at a wedding, what would be super fun for us. And so with this, we had a Cali sober wedding, meaning uh, there was no alcohol provided uh, because we no longer, or I especially no longer drink, which is funny because I did have the alcoholic kombucha company. So we provided adaptogenic gluten-free vegan beverages for people. We made it a vegan and gluten-free wedding because as the bride, I wanted everyone to experience what it's like to eat like me for a weekend. Um, and of course they could bring, like if they felt like they needed to bring their own supplemental gluten or meat, they were more than welcome to do so. Um, but we also had things like a connection experience at the beginning of our wedding where people had to find others with their matching crystal. Uh, and then they had 15 minutes with like 10 other people. There were about 120 people total. So like 12 groups of 10 uh, to design what mermaid spenergy meant to them. And mermaid spenergy was our wedding hashtag mermaid like Meredith um, and spenergy like Spencer, Spencer energy. And also because our first kiss was in the ocean. So then you instantly had people like friends and family from Canada, the East Coast, like San Francisco, Texas, like all working together in these different groups to create a representation of us. And then they presented it on stage. And like doing little things like this at our wedding. We also were like, we love Burning Man. So everyone brought a Burning Man style offering to our wedding. So we had people doing mermaid tattoos. One friend knows how much I love Erewhon. So she made a Marwan smoothie sign, like Erewhon with an M in front of it and handed out like, uh, you know, lookalikes to the $20 Haley Bieber smoothie at the pool party uh, portion of our wedding because our whole wedding was like this festival. Um, so we did things like that, yoga, breath work at our wedding. We also did something where all of our guests wore white and we wore different colors, which was actually so beautiful because we got married um, on top of a hill at the glamping grounds. And so everyone was like decked out in white and golden hour. And I wore this like pinkish dress with like gold sequins and Spencer had this really cool metallic shirt and it was things like this that people were like wow this is the most unique wedding I've ever been to or you know I had so much fun I wasn't expecting this and this is like just what I needed and so it's so funny because when we threw away the shoulds and we're like, we're going to totally release obligation, obligation being what we think we should do based on our perception of other people's uh, desires of us. Um, we ended up creating this really fun space where we held true to the idea that if we're having the most fun because we are the energetic set points of our wedding, other people will also have fun because they're wanting us to have fun at our wedding. So if we're having fun, it makes it easier for them to have fun. And that's the biggest irony when we release the shoulds, right? Is because when we're doing things that we think we should be doing, um, we're doing it based on our own assumptions of what we think other people want. And of course, we don't ever really know what other people want unless they explicitly tell us. But even still, um, when we throw away the assumptions of what we think they want, and we focus on what what do I want, then we're able to show up more powerfully and uh, energetically for ourselves. And thus that energy elevates the whole 
room, you know, and gives other people permission to do that for themselves. So I've kind of given you guys a macro example of my my larger life journey and a micro example of my wedding of when we do, you know, focus on what do I want and we're guided from that place. We actually create so much magnetism around us because it also sends the message to ourselves and to others like they value themselves, they trust in themselves and they're confidently trusting their intuition. Um, and all like you can tell that the, the thing that that person prioritizes more, most is what they think of them. Um, and that is personal power. And that then, yeah, helps other people hopefully, you know, have permission to fully be themselves and creates this beautiful ripple effect where we are all the best versions of ourselves guided by our internal compass together. Um, and I just like to think of the image of like a bunch of flowers in a field, like blooming in their own time, in their own way. You know, there's not a one size fits all for different flower needs or flower types of blooming, but we're all just giving ourselves and others the space to bloom in our own way. So when you're thinking about how you can create the most personal magnetism around yourself, when we tie it back to this uh, wisdom of the more you you are, the more magnetic you are. First step is shedding the shoulds. So you're not shitting all over yourself, as they say. Um, so firstly, writing down where are all the shoulds in my life coming from? Uh, you know, what do I think I should do? Step one. So just like listing all of those out. What, what are the things that I think I should do based on other people's needs or wants or desires of me? What do I fear will happen if I don't do those things? It's important, as we always talk about in powerful stuff, to address the fears, right? To pull the monsters out from under the bed, if you will. Uh, so what do I fear will happen if I don't do those things? And then what would it look like for me to be living from my greatest joy? What would I be doing differently? Like, how would I take that first step. Like what are some things that would just be super fun for me and writing all of those out and allowing yourself to dream big. Like what are the things that you get in flow state around? What are the things that light you up or make you smile? What are the things that you love doing? And then how can you do more of that? Um, wink, wink. How can you do more of that right now? Again, with the baby steps, what's one tiny baby step that you can do for that? And this kind of, all of these wisdoms really tie into each other because then it goes back to the boundaries. What boundaries do you need to set to protect your energy to be able to do that personal, you know, power thing, that, that thing that brings you greatest joy? Who do you need to communicate that to? So then you can step into that more freely. And what does that look like? What does that world look like? Who is that version of you that shows up as our most magnetic self? And here's where it really helps to close your eyes and vision. Like what does that version of you do in six months? You know, how, how are they waking up? How are they moving throughout their day? How are they interacting with others? How are they dressing? What is their demeanor? And really starting to tap into that right now. And if you're looking that, and that's a great way to do it for like the macro viewing of it, but you can also do that same vision for like an event, whether it's your own wedding or your birthday party. Like what does that version of you look like during that weekend or that event? And how are they feeling that they're honoring their own needs, trusting that those who want to be there will. Oh, and that's another thing I forgot to say. So in honoring our fullest expression of ourselves at our wedding, we did put a disclaimer on our website and uh, in our invites that said, 
you know, to the people that we invited, some friends and family, you know, this is a glamping, gluten-free, vegan, like Cali sober wedding in the desert. If you want to celebrate with us, like, fuck yeah. But if it's not your cup of tea, we love you. And we know you love us and it's okay if you don't come. So then it also removed pressure and no one else was there out of obligation. We kind of put the languaging and the communication in that we hopefully gave other people permission to release obligation to come because we only wanted people there who were really excited to be there and down to be on the ride with us. And that gave them their radical ownership, radical agency over their choice so they could be true to themselves. So that's a really important thing in this is as you're setting your, your desire, your vision for your personal power, it's also giving other people the permission to do the same and knowing that their version of their magnetic self might not align with you and yours. And that's okay. And to allow space for both. And so in speaking about the wedding, that brings me to um, my next wisdom, which is unvocalized intention is a disaster waiting to happen in expectation land. So unvocalized intention is just like an expectation disaster waiting to happen. And I really learned or was reminded of, again, the power of intention setting, but also communicating my intention when it came to my wedding. And I'll give you an example of where I did this, and I'll give you an example of where I didn't do this. And I'm using the wedding as a, um, let's say, like a metaphor for the larger uh, way intention and expectation can play out. But in regards to the wedding, I realized if I had an intention and I vocalized it, everyone like parted mountains to help make it happen, especially all my closest friends. Like... For an example, um, I went to the Eras tour in April, as a lot of you may know, uh, in Houston, Texas, and um, I really became obsessed with the song Cruel Summer, and for those of you who haven't been to the Eras tour, when Cruel Summer comes on, it's like the first full song that Taylor Swift sings. Everyone shouts the bridge, like in the arena, like 70,000 people, so it's this really fun moment where everyone's shouting the words, and I was like, that would be so fun to have that at my wedding during our wedding dance. So I texted like 20 of my friends, and I was like, yo, we're going to play Cruel Summer during like our dancing portion of the wedding night, and when you hear it come on, I would love for you to shout the bridge with me. And all of my friends who were Taylor Swift fans were like, say no more, Meredith. We know this bridge by heart already and your wish is our command. And my friends who really loved me, but weren't the huge Swifties, which is fair enough. were like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to learn this song because it's going to be a really fun moment with Meredith. And sure enough, when the song Cruel Summer came on, um, everybody gathered around and there was like 20 of us shouting the bridge to Cruel Summer and jumping up and down um, in the wedding dance floor and looking around and like all the friends who also weren't Swifties were just like just seeing everyone's faces like overcome with joy and the fact that I was overcome with joy made them even more overcome with joy so it was this like huge like snowball effect of powerful joy Um, and yeah that was just a great example of like when I had an intention and I vocalized it it happened. And that was a really beautiful core memory moment of the wedding for me. And then this other one, which is so funny, and I actually talked about this on my standup that I did recently because it's like hilarious, a very hilarious like bride thing to care about. But um, one intention that I had at my wedding 
um, that I didn't vocalize was that I really wanted a soft landing with like all of my wedding guests in the teepee. There's this huge teepee on the glamping grounds with a beautiful fire in, in the middle. And usually at festivals and stuff, people go in there and like lay and chat after like the big dancing has been had and everyone's in a cuddle puddle, which is like <laughs> I described it in my standup as like a non-culty, non-orgy, like platonic uh, intertwinement of friends' limbs. It's very big in Venice, trust me. Um, and everyone's just like laying there talking about how much they love each other. And I call it a soft landing because it's not like the music shuts off and then everyone retreats to their bedrooms. It's like this nice soft landing to the night. So I really wanted that at my wedding because that's something I love to do with my friends in Venice, but I didn't vocalize it. And so not all of my friends came, like a small and mighty contingent came and it was really, really, really fun and beautiful with them. But I also like maybe bride or Meredith expectation mind couldn't help but like think about the friends that weren't there. Uh, so there was this like dueling um, brain going on inside of me of like, Meredith, appreciate all the friends that are here and like what is, appreciate what is. Um, but then there was this also other part of me like, oh man, I should have told my other friends like how important this was to me because I'm sure like, you know, more of them would have been here. Maybe some of them still would have been honoring their truth and not been there and that's okay too, but I was taking radical ownership over my unvocalized intention of like, I wish I had voiced that this was important to me because then other people would have showed up. And so that was a good reminder for me of like, when I do vocalize my intention, at least I can release it and it happens the way it's meant to. But if I don't vocalize it, no one else is a mind reader and you know, it runs the risk of other people not knowing that it was important to me. And again, like I said, I could have vocalized it and people might still not have showed up, but then I could have released responsibility um, of having vocalized it. And at the end of the day, I learned that lesson and in reflecting back on my wedding night, shout out to all of my friends who came to the wedding and especially those who knew to read my mind and come to the cuddle puddle. It was fabulous. Um, but, you know, it all happened exactly as it meant to, as it was meant to. And even in that moment, you know, of course, sometimes we, we have a tendency as humans sometimes to think about the things that didn't go right versus the things that did. After I was able to release all the emotions of the wedding, I was like, you know what? It actually unfolded perfectly. What a great lesson to be reminded of. And also the friends who were meant to be there were friends who don't usually come to the cuddle puddles. They're not, they weren't my, like a ton of my normal Venice friends. There were some of my friends from England, my, you know, friends from college who came to the cuddle puddle. And so it was like really special to be able to share it and open up this world to friends who weren't usually a part of it. And I was like, you know what? It actually did happen perfectly. But I guess this brings me deeper into this point because when I had expectation, I wasn't able to see it at the time because expectation is like this need for control, this need to control the exact situation or how it plays out. So when I had expectation around it, I actually wasn't able to enjoy the beauty of what was and who was there. And so that's also another reason just by vocalizing my intention Whoever showed up, showed up, and then I could have released it and appreciated what was, and this is kind of what I talked about earlier in the podcast of first accepting what is, right? Accepting who is there and then being in presence when you make the choice. Okay, it is what it is or who is here is who is here and now what can I do to enjoy that? 
So that was a good reminder this year in such a funny microcosm wedding way of vocalize your intention or get clear on your intention, right? How do you want to feel in an experience or after an experience? Then what do you need to communicate to yourself and to others? And then how can you release control from there? Now that you vocalized your intention and you focused on the feeling, how can you release control and trust in yourself, trust in the universe, trust in your intention being out in the world to allow it to unfold in a way that might be different and even better than you can imagine. So yeah, first getting clear on what is my intention? How do I want to feel? Who do I need to communicate that to? And what do I need to communicate? And then how can I release control right now and allow space for possibility? So really powerful stuff with expectation, which was actually our expectation episode to give it a shout out was our most listened to episode this year. So a lot of people have a lot of feels around expectation. So yeah, definitely had to, had to add that one to the mix. Um, second to last wisdom is, and again, this goes back to, you know, taking the baby steps and to, to run the marathon is start small and trust in consistency over time. So small, tiny shifts over time lead to big changes. Small, tiny shifts over time lead to big changes and consistency builds confidence. So I guess it's kind of two in one. Small shifts equal big changes. And with that, consistency builds confidence. So the biggest example I want to draw from here or talk about here, and I actually talk about this on the More of That podcast with my More of That co-founder, Eric, is, um, you know, in April, coming out of my hibernation and my solo sabbatical, I had this desire to lead something every week. You know, I've been coaching, which I love, but um, I also used to teach yoga a ton in yoga studios, but kind of wound it down to focus on my coaching and more of that. And I really missed leading, leading things every week and being in community every week, especially as a coach or a solopreneur. So often, and, and even somebody who works from home, right? We can, we can oftentimes be alone by ourselves with our computer every day. So I thought to myself, like, what is something that I love doing every week that I would just love to share with other people, but I would do it anyways. Like, even if no one else came, I would still do it. And I thought about my Monday morning routine. I'd wake up, I did yoga, meditation, breath work, and journaling, you know, reflecting on the past week, taking it into the present, and then visioning for the next week. Um, And I was like, I want to create an experience where everyone can do this with me. And I'm going to call it best morning ever. Um, I just love that name. It's like, I'm going to have the best morning ever. Um, so we did it with more of that. We started at the end of April, I believe, or it might've been the first week of May. And we would meet by lifeguard tower 19 in Venice. And we would first do a connection question, like a an opening question where you'd find someone new that you haven't met. So it kind of forces you to get out of, you know, the, the friend group that you might've come with. And we jogged to the next lifeguard stand and you'd answer that question, tap the other lifeguard stand. The other person would answer on the way back. Then we'd set, um, well, I guess we kind of would already have set the intention for the whole arc of that best morning ever before that question. And then we would continue that intention into the yoga, really flow through it on an embodied level, breathe out, and alchemize whatever wisdoms from that intention and turn it into fuel for visioning in the breath work. And then we would sit with that in the meditation, usually kind of tapping into our highest self and asking our highest self for a piece of wisdom for the week. And then we would journal around that. 
uh, in subconscious journaling after subconscious journaling is just a fancy way of saying your pen doesn't leave the paper. So you're really able to tap into, you know, what your, um, highest self is trying to tell you. Um, and then we would end with one last connection question, usually about how you can carry that forth into the rest of your week. And we started it in May. We did 36 best morning evers. We didn't miss one week or we did miss one week, but no other weeks. Only one week was missed. Um, and that was the week the hurricane blew through Venice. But in showing up every week, it really snowballed and it was a free offering, especially when it was on the beach. Um, when we had to move it indoors for the winters, we charged $10 to cover our cleaning fees, but it was free from May until the end of October on the beach. And we, because, uh, people kept telling their friends and their friends kept telling their friends, um, you know, we got to upwards of 50 or 60 people. And not only that, but brands that we loved, such as like um, Open, uh, Breathwork and Yoga Studio, and they also have a beautiful app and also Apollo Neuro, like brands started reaching out to us to collaborate, which was really cool. So that thing that was born from my own personal passion, and I just decided I'm going to do it every week. Whoever shows up, shows up. Um, ended up snowballing. And not only did it reinvigorate our community in some ways, uh, it also formed its own like community within our community of people who attended Best Morning Ever. By the time we had our final Best Morning Ever last week, we had probably like two dozen people who were just like regulars who had been to like almost three quarters of our Best Morning Evers, which was really cool. Friendships have come out of Best Morning Ever. It was cool because I was also able to bring in and highlight friends who are other facilitators to facilitate part of different best morning evers to mix it up a little to, to bring their creation, their passion into the mix. Um, and we were able to collaborate with other communities because we believe, you know, when we combine with each other, we, we both become equally more powerful. So that was just something on a personal level that I deeply got to feel of like what happens when you consistently show up every week. And there were weeks that I was tired and there was weeks that I like was like, oh, should I, like, I wish I could just sleep in today, but I would show up and other people would be there and the energy that I felt internally would shift. And like it helped me start my week by having that consistency and having that ritual every Monday to show up. And this can, this consistency over time doesn't just have to, um, you know, apply to like hosting an event. It certainly can. Like if you're like, oh, I really want to start cultivating community or something like start with the weekly hike. Um, Eric talked about this in our more of that podcast because he uh, co-founded a hike club in LA that just started by a group of friends going on a hike or start with a weekly run. You know, that's also kind of how Venice Run Club started, which I think now has like over a thousand people come every week. It's amazing. Uh, huge, huge number of people, but all all the best things like happen with that consistency over time. And usually in that journey of consistency, there will be a lull and there will be a dip. And that's when you keep showing up and you double down because it's usually through that dip or through that plateau that the biggest magic or breakthrough happens. And so whether that's just like, you know what, every month I want to host a dinner party the third Thursday of every month. Um, 
and whoever can come can come. Or if it's also consistency with yourself, right? Around a, a skill that you want to cultivate. Like I'm going to set aside 20 minutes every Thursday to do Duolingo or to play guitar, or, you know, I'm going to be consistent with my meditation practice. And I don't necessarily have to meditate 20 minutes every day, just as long as I sit down and close my eyes for a few minutes, like whatever that looks like. Because when we show up for ourselves, consistently. And when we do something that we say we want to do and we keep doing it, it is insane growth for our self-trust, like insane, because it basically is sending to the message. It's basically sending the message to our subconscious. Like when you speak, I listen, when you speak, I listen, when you speak, I listen. So if you're not yet ready to do like consistency for the masses with like an event or an experience, start with like a new habit that you want to cultivate what is something I can consistently show up for, for myself each, each week or daily, but making it something that seems so small and just a tiny stretch out of your usual comfort zone that you're not setting yourself up for failure, that it feels like manageable, but maybe slightly uncomfortable and yeah, manageable, but slight, slightly discomfort or slight discomfort, you know, slightly out of your comfort zone. Um, and then as you show up for that over time, then you can start to increase that, expand that, expand that. And again, going back to the tiny shifts over time, you'll look back and you'll be like, whoa, you know, I thought that I like this, where I am right now would have felt crazy to like myself even a few months ago. And I've seen this for myself too, in my own habits, like, um, to, to give you guys a habit example, uh, going back to the Eras tour, when I saw Taylor Swift doing the Eras tour, uh, I was like, you know what? I want to resurface my old songs and have my own Eras tour, my own stadium tour. But I did it on TikTok and I called it 30 Days to Stadium. And I committed to playing one of my songs every day for 30 days on TikTok and sharing the story behind that song. Because I was like, you know what? If I'm like envying Taylor Swift for doing this, like what's stopping me from doing it myself? Like rather than being like, oh, well, you know, I don't have the money or the fame or the team or whatever. It's like, what could I do right now? Okay. I'll make a TikTok and I'll do it every day for 30 days. And I'm so proud of myself because I did it. I did it every day for 30 days. And, you know, some days it was hard and some days I had to spend 30 minutes like relearning old songs of mine that I had forgotten. And I actually had to take it, take my guitar with me to Harvard and do it at my 10 year reunion. I took my guitar to a music festival and did it in my downtime at the music festival. But I said I was going to do it and I did it. And I was so proud of myself after that. And then I realized after that, like, okay, I can do this. And looking back at those videos, I want to give my songs even more, you know, love and realize that I could sing them even better than I'm singing them now. So then I enlisted my friend, uh, Reslo, um, to recommend me his voice coach, uh, Kate, who I love. And I started taking consistent voice lessons. And then the the change that I saw in my voice over a few short months uh, was insane, not just in my singing voice, but also in my vocal fry, which hopefully you guys can uh, feel or feel the progress of as well. Um, and it was just so inspiring and such a good reminder that, you know, we aren't how we are. Like if, if you're frustrated with area, where you are right now, it's like knowing that you can change and you can grow and it's just starting where you are. And I know it sounds so simple, but yeah, that's literally what I tell all my clients too. I know I've said the marathon analogy like three times. Um, 
this episode, but you know what they say, it's like, tell them what you were going to say, tell them what you're saying, tell them what you said or however the expression goes. But yeah, I always tell my clients, like when you set out to run a marathon, you first, you know, start training by doing two miles and then you jump up to four and then you jump down to two and then you jump up to six and then you go back to four and then you jump up to eight. And it's this gradual showing up over time that then makes 26 miles, 26.2, not feel so crazy. And that is the joy and that is the gift. And so that brings me to my very last point, which kind of sums all of these things up in a way. Uh, My very last wisdom from 2023 for myself is create and release. So what I mean by this is when, I mean, I'm a creator at heart. I love writing songs. I love performing songs. I love writing poems. I love performing poems. I love recording meditations. And, um, you know, create and release has been my mantra this year, rather than letting perfectionism be a sneaky form of procrastination. I've just asked myself, how can I start and release? And viewing, like, if I don't release my creations, they kind of, like, sit in me, like, clogging up a pipe almost, and they make me feel resentful of the other things that I'm doing because I'm not giving my creative self full expression. So each month, I kind of check in with myself. What am I feeling the need to create? And what am I feeling the need to... how can I just release it so I don't put too much pressure on it, right? And a need for too much validation over how it's received or not, or letting perfectionism lead to total paralysis. But how can I just create and release, create and release, create and release? And this year I did that by, you know, I had been sitting on my recording of my song, Calling in You, which I wrote about running into Vance Joy at Air One, but it's really a lullaby for calling in the person you're ready to date by trusting in who you already are. I'd been sitting on that recording for a year. And this year I finally decided in March, even though I don't have this huge promo plan around it, I'm going to release it on my birthday because I know people will be wishing me a happy birthday and I'm just going to put it out there. And I did release it on my birthday and it felt so good to just get it out into the world. And actually two days later, because I had released it, when my husband proposed to me uh, in Temecula, on a farmland, um, when we walked back to the barn where 40 of our friends were waiting, one of our friends had it blasting from Spotify on the loudspeakers. So it allowed for that special moment. And then a few other people this year told me that calling in you has become their lullaby. One person that it actually did help them attract their current partner, um, because they would listen to it every night before sleep. And another person that it's consistently what's reminding them to like not settle and trust that their person is out there. So that was like example number one of doing it. And I guess creating and releasing is also and consistency is what led Eileen and I to just putting out powerful stuff and not trying to over perfect it. We didn't have the perfect lighting or audio or anything like that or a social media plan when we put it out, but we made it, you know, commitment of let's just get it out there. And internally I was like, I also want to make sure I like that, that we're putting out a new powerful stuff each week. And that's why I'm sitting here recording it in Houston for you guys so that we don't miss a week. And so I guess that goes into consistency and create and release, right? And I've created and released in other ways this year too. Um, Definitely by just putting best morning out best morning ever out there, not overthinking it by releasing my other song highest mountain this year. And by starting to do things that help me be less precious with my creation, which is uh, taking a stand-up class and taking an improv class because those are both about just like you, 
you constantly have to just create and put things out there, right? For stand up to like iterate on your jokes, to continue to make your jokes and your stand up the best ever. I practiced my stand up so many times on my husband. God bless him. Um, uh, before I performed it and like constantly iterated and with improv, right? Every new, every scene is new. You don't, well, I guess they're like kind of the opposite, but getting to the same point. Um, every scene is new. So you literally just have to create and release. And if the last scene was bad, okay, well, there's going to be a new prompt and a new scene to be had and a new character that you'll take on. So this idea of creating and releasing has helped me get out of my own way and, uh, you know, get out of the perfection paralysis and start feeling like most like my authentic self where I'm actually driven from my internal passion and my, I have so much self-trust that if my internal voice or my internal creator speaks, I'm going to take action on it and I'm not going to let it sit there and create like a bunch of jumbled noise in my head because now there's all these creations that I feel resentful toward myself for, for not taking action on, which then it, yeah, leads to blockages and feeling resentful and feeling lack of self-trust. So I guess these all tie back together in a way of creating and releasing because if we (laughs) close the loop If you ask yourself right now, like, what do I want to create? Like that question is answered in the present moment, which is what our first point was, my first wisdom. So what do you want to create right now? And how can you take action on it? What's the first thing that you can do? So I I think a common theme throughout today's episode was, is (laughs) returning to the present moment, asking yourself what you can take action on. Um, right now, what is your internal highest self or your internal creator telling you to take action on? And what's that baby step that you can do? So taking the first baby step, listening to yourself in the present, uh, addressing any shoulds or fears. And then what is that first baby step? And then how can you show up consistently from there? So as we close out this episode, we'll just do a little meditation and some journaling questions for your own wisdoms, because I know these were mine. So I want to give you some, some tools and a moment of pause so you can get clear on what your wisdoms are for this year. And hopefully listening to mine has helped spark something in you. So go ahead and find a comfortable seat. Roll your shoulders back, roll your head back, shake out your tongue. Ah, get weird for a second. Just shake everything out. Ah, and then take a deep breath in. Open mouth, exhale. Another deep breath in. And exhaling it out. And third and deepest breath in, pulling your breath in, feeling it come up through your nostrils to the crown of your head. And exhale everything out. And as you slow down your breath, starting to turn your gaze inward. Just noticing your heartbeat, noticing your hips on your chair or your couch, or the floor, feeling your shoulders slide down your spine, feeling your jaw relax. And then starting to call forth in your mind something that you overcame this year, something that was maybe challenging or hard. And how did you move through it? How did it feel to move through it? And how did it shift you on the other side 
How did it shift you and bring you closer to your truth or your internal compass? And from that shift, from that internal compass sharpening, how did that carry you through the rest of your year? How did it lead you to something else that might have felt scary or challenging or just slightly out of your comfort zone? And how did it equip you to move through that? And how did that then once again shift you, bringing you closer and closer to who you are today? And as that shifted you, how did it start to help you feel even more empowered in your relationships? Maybe in your mind's eye, a relationship or two flashes forth, a conversation that you've had with someone that you're proud of, how you handled, that felt true to you. How did it shift how you view yourself, your internal relationship, your self-talk or how you show up for yourself? How did it shift your sense of possibility and what you know that you can give to the world and what you know you can do for your own joy, for the joy of others? And how did all of that wisdom built up throughout 2023 lead you to this moment right here? And as you sit in this wisdom, seeing in your mind's eye a mirror appear before you and just noticing in the mirror the you from January 2023, from a year ago. Just noticing who you were then. Noticing the energy, the facial expression, the essence of your past self. And having so much compassion or that version of yourself a year ago. And then internally telling that version of yourself how proud you are of them in all the ways that you're proud, for th proud of them. What lessons have they learned? What integrity have they demonstrated? Just reflecting that back to them now. And as you reflect that back to them, feeling them soften into a smile, and as they smile and you smile, you bring your hand to touch theirs through the mirror. And as your hand touches theirs, they start to morph into your future self. This time next year, January 2025. And just noticing the shift in the energy, the facial expression, the essence 
of that future version of yourself. In this time, they tell you the wisdoms that you have in this present moment, how they've perfectly prepared you for what's to come. So now you get to receive as your future self tells you the wisdoms that you have right now, how they perfectly prepared you for what's to come. The wisdoms that you've gained from 2023, how they were actually the perfect launch pad for 2024. Trusting whatever they say. Now, as you receive these wisdoms, taking them, breathing them into your heart, breathing the truth of them into your heart until that your heart pumps them down, out your fingertips, pumps them to the crown of your head, pumps them to your toes, pumps them all throughout every cell of your body until your whole body feels like it's reverberating with this wisdom. And with your past and your future with you in this present, taking a deep breath in and exhaling it out, remembering all questions are answered in the present, your future and your past self always with you as you breathe in a second time, breathing in the truth of the wisdoms you've learned this last year and exhaling them out. And then third and deepest breath to bring the wisdoms into the present moment and exhaling them to allow them to guide you into the future. And as you slowly open your eyes, take with you what came up in this meditation and we'll distill it into a few journaling questions. So what challenging things did you overcome in 2023? And how did you shift from them? What did you learn? And how did those shifts perfectly prepare you for now? So what did you learn from those challenges? How did they perfectly prepare you for right now? How, and how have they invited you deeper into your truest self? So how did they perfectly prepare you for now? How did they invite you truly or deeper into your truest self? And then lastly, how can you apply these wisdoms to what you want to do in 2024? How can you apply the wisdoms of the last year into what you want to do in 2024? Wow, guys, that was really powerful. As always, I hope it was as powerful for you as it was for me. Let me know what your wisdoms are from 2023 and how you plan to apply them to 2024. And this was really our processing episode for 2023. And the next episode will be how to ceremonialize the new year. So this one is really helping process and reflect 2023. So we give it a beautiful send off, right? Kind of Marie Kondo style. Like what are the lessons we're grateful for that we want to keep with us? And what are the lessons like that we're like, you know what, thank you so much, but I'm going to leave you in 2023. So this really helps clean the slate, clear the palette, if you will, for the next year. So I'll see you guys next week for more powerful stuff. Love you guys.
Thank you for listening to the Powerful Stuff Podcast. We're your hosts, Meredith Baker and Eileen Legiu. We hope that you learn some powerful stuff that you can take away and implement into your own life. And if you do, we would love it if you rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast, Powerful Stuff. And if something deeply resonates with you and you share it on social media, tag us. We would love to hear from you. And we will also see you next week for some more powerful stuff.